J.R.R. Tolkien said, Faithless is he that says farewell when the road darkens. Well, it's midnight in America, and we only have a few streetlights left on. So are you going to keep walking? Or have you already said farewell? Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer. This is my beautiful wife, Nikki. Hello. You can't see it, but she has wonderful reindeer earrings on. You had to bring that up. She was upset that you wouldn't be able to see them. So I wanted to make it aware, make you aware of it. Um, If you're new here, you know, don't let the religionless name fool you. We do our best to, uh, well, we are very religious, very Christian, and we do our best to help Christians live a life that's pleasing to God in a world that is increasingly secular and increasingly religionless. So that's what we're going to try to do today. Um, We are going to be getting into the news of the week like we normally do, Um, you know, stuff that we feel pertains to us Christians. We talked about the elections last week. Nothing really new there. Donald Trump's running for president. There's your election news. So stuff that we think is important to Christians. And then we're going to be reviewing of sorts, um, like we did last week, the podcast called Gender Indoctrination. We'll be reviewing episode two, and that's a podcast from ChristianPost.com. And then for our Bible topic of the day, we are on to our Assurances of Salvation number four. And you can go and find the previous episodes where we talked about the first three. Um, we've also talked about our road to salvation. We've done those five episodes. You can find those if you are interested to understand how you get saved and how do you actually know if you're saved. It's a good place to start. But before we get to all of that, honey, is there anything you would like to say? Uh, just continue to pray. Um, I pray that I don't know, like I, the whole move to Albuquerque might be happening, but I don't know. I don't know if I want to move to Albuquerque. I mean, there's some friends four hours away from there that I'd really like to see, but I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm comfortable. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a tough choice. <laughs> it does look like the move to Albuquerque is sort of official. But, you know, nothing's set in stone yet. I have made my request known to my leadership that I would like to stay in Florida. You know, we'll see what ultimately happens with that. And um, so just keep praying for us there. If you have been, we'd appreciate it. Also, um, I'm at, uh, well, by the time you watch this, I will be at the jail for a sort of special Thanksgiving service that we're giving. So normally I just do the jail Bible study on Mondays, um, but we'll be up there this or today, Saturday, doing a Thanksgiving service. It's going to be a little bit different than our usual. So we'll have more people from our church there kind of doing things a little bit differently than how we normally do. So just pray that that goes well and it's a blessing to the guys that show up. And um, I thought I had something else to pray for. Who knows? Everything else is good. So 
just generally pray for us. We need all the prayer we can get. Um, all right, on to the plugs. You guys know we love Team Cardinal, Cardinal Contingency Solutions, and you know something that they offer that I always you know harp on you guys about because I think it's very important is well I'll pull it back up here their travel risk management sort of their contingency preparation and I always think about this in the vein of missionaries you know the gospel needs to be spread around the world but that doesn't mean you just have to pick up and go unprepared um, the world is dangerous the world is unpredictable you know you don't just you know, if all you have is your Bible and a, a hope and a prayer, I guess that's good enough, but it doesn't have to be <laughs> all you go with. You can actually prepare, set yourself up for success, um, alleviate some of the stress and the strain on your maybe a home church, your family, letting them know that you're actually going to be, you know, well prepared for what you're getting into. And Cardinal, they're the best uh, in the world at what they do in preparing you for just such a task. So, Reach out to Cardinal, um, see what they can do to help you. I don't think you'll be disappointed. And then also, you guys know we are proud members of the Christian Podcast community, and we highly recommend you go jump on whatever podcasting platform you use, whether it's Apple, Spotify, whatever it happens to be, and subscribe. We got over 60 podcast, roughly 60 podcasters, all Christian all relatively indie. So, you know, they're not being plastered on the front page of Spotify, but they're godly men and women talking about godly things. And I think, in fact, I know you would find something on there that you enjoy listening to in addition to us, because we're on there. So you can go find us there, find other good godly men and women there. And uh, they would appreciate it. And I would appreciate it. So go check them out. All right, enough of the fun stuff, though. It's time to get serious here. That's what they always say about religionless Christianity. We're serious. Prepare yourself. Gird your loins. Steal up your soul. Empty your bladder. As we get ready to take a, our weekly trek through the valley of the shadow of death and look at the news of the week. And for the first story... Um, we actually have a a spot of good news, I would think. We'll see how it goes. Um, but if you want to read this headline, honey. Tim Allen vows to put Christ back into new Santa Claus Disney Plus series. And just maybe read that first paragraph. Yeah. Tim Allen is Santa Claus once again, and he's making sure it's done right this time. The first two episodes of The Santa Clauses will be released on Disney Plus Wednesday night and will feature Alan reviving his beloved character for the first time since The Santa Claus 3 was released in 2006. I don't feel like it's been that long. Was it like... The original Santa say? Claus was like in the 90s. I was like, wait, was I like... Tim was Allen was a young man. Not even 10? I feel like it came out when I was like a teenager though, but... Yeah, it was a long time. And that's Santa Claus 3 yeah. in 2006. Right. But, um, you know, this story stuck out to me. Obviously, we like Tim Allen. 
He's a good. Yeah. You know, have you ever watched the show Last Man Standing? Uh, it was a decent enough show. Was He's it? always kept the same character. He's you the know? same character, which I appreciate. Yeah. You know, from Home Improvement. But um, this stuck out to me because I think this is something for us, you know, who are Christmas um, fans, we're Christians. It's something for us to consider, I think. You know, we've talked quite harshly about Disney Plus in the past and how we ought not mm-hmm. to do business with them. Um, they're admitted groomers. <laughs> yeah. And we don't want to do business with them. But if we want to try and influence the culture in a small way, I would consider signing up for Disney Plus only to watch the Santa Claus show. So it sounds like the first two episodes, by the time you're watching this, are out so you can go check those out but this was my thought was um sign up for disney plus only watch this show because they get the numbers they see what people are watching only that show Um, yeah and then cancel it you know once you're done with it and i would tell your family tell your friends to do the same you know because the fact is disney's really been bleeding money um you know since they really got outed and voiced their support for grooming They, you know, when I looked at their stock today, they're down almost 40% in just this year on their stock price. So for Disney, that means billions of dollars that they're down. Um, So they're bleeding money. And if they could actually see that, you know, playing shows that aren't explicitly satanic Mm -hmm. and like outright harmful to children, but rather they could, you know, play shows or TV shows that kind of endorse that. Americana, that sort of traditional American heritage, and that actually draws in new fans. Right. Maybe that could be something that sort of steers them away from their destructive path. Mm-hmm. You know, because we can't just sit there and complain about them um, when they do things that we don't like. We also have to praise them when they do things that we do like. Um, this they, is how we condition them. Do they really like care what we want to watch? Like, they're pushing the whole, the, you know, the child grooming. And they're not doing that because they think that's what people want. No, but this is the hope because while they may have the idol of, you know, sexual immorality and this LGBTQ movement thing, I think mostly for these globe, I mean, money is their number one driver. So once the money starts going away, you hope that that's enough to shake them up. Again, it's not like we're trying to necessarily save their soul. We'd be great if they did. But that we have an option out there that's not just outright indoctrinating our kids into a sinful lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, money talks. And a company like Disney, they're, I mean, I think they're quite literally, they are um, beholden to their stockholders. They have yeah. to do what's in the best interest of their shareholders. They can't just say, well, we have an opportunity to make a boatload of money, but what we're going to do is squander it all, flush billions of dollars down the drain to go fight activism. I mean, they can literally be taken to court for that and sued. You think they have this show now because they want... Maybe. I mean, Tim Allen's a big draw. The Santa Claus is, you know, I think we would consider that... I don't know. We've never done a... Maybe we can do a Christmas movie list this year, but I would say that's a top three in our... You know, for us, it's probably like the Santa Claus and Elf, and then we're fighting for number three. You know, we'll see. But, you know, Tim Allen's a big draw. The Santa Claus is a big draw. So it's a moneymaker. But just my thought, you know, 
Because if we, yeah. all we do is punish them, right? They're groomers. We're done doing business with them. And that's it. And then they're just forever written off. They can never get back in our good graces. Well, then they have no incentive to ever get right again, right? They right. might as well just continue to do whatever, you know, it's like with godless Amazon, thing. You know. Right. And that's why, you know, when I canceled my Amazon card, I told them, I don't want my money supporting abortions. That's why I'm leaving. So you would hope if enough people did it and they came back and said, hey, we yeah. were going down this path and it was a mistake. Okay, well, that should lead you to go, cool, man. Now I'm going to, you know, buy some more stuff from Amazon or whatever. But, you know, if all we do is write them off, then they have no reason to come back. You know, I think of it like children, right? They do something wrong, you punish them. When they do something right, you praise them. And now you're sort of conditioning them into that um, behavior that you want to see from them. So, you know, they may not ultimately respond. They could be completely given over to the spirit of the age, but you at least got to give them a chance, I think. So you don't have to. Obviously, it's your money. You do it's what like you after want. After knowing, um, when people publicly come out and, you know, say they're supporting something wicked, I think for conscience sake, you can't support them. Um, and I'm just, I don't know, like, I can't think, I always have like scripture in mind that I think of on the spot and I can't remember where it is, but it's about, it's in reference to eating meat sacrificed to idols. And it's like, if they tell you it was sacrificed uh, to idols, then don't eat it. But if they don't say anything, then eat it. But it's like, do you know where I'm going with this? Like they've publicly announced their wickedness and we continue to support them. Right. You know, like for Christians to continue supporting them, like what does well, that I say? I can see, you know, if that, you know, I don't know the verse you're talking about, but if they came out and said, hey, this meat sacrificed to idols, and you went, we're not eating that. And then yeah. the next week you went back there and they're like, hey, uh, sorry about that meat thing. We haven't sacrificed this to anybody. <laughs> this is just meat. You'd go, oh yeah, I'd love to have dinner with you then. And now you're conditioning them that, oh, if I want to hang out with them, don't sacrifice my food to idols. <laughs> right? So in the same vein, hey, when we told people we wanted to, you know, basically let pedophiles run loose on their children, they didn't like that. But instead, when we told them that, you know, Christ is the meaning of Christmas, they really liked that. Maybe we should go more into... The Christ angle. I mean, again, you at least, I think you got to give them a try. Um, we may give it a try. We're Tim Allen fans. Um, I was like, what's that other Christmas movie? Oh, yeah. The Christmas with the Cranks. And I was like, oh, wait, that's Tim Allen, too. Yeah. So <laughs> we're big Tim Allen fans. But yeah, so something for you to consider. Um, if you disagree, let us know in the comments. Let us know why you don't think we should. Or if you think we should, we'd love to hear from you. So, um, but that's what we we think you should be watching. So we want to go with what we think you shouldn't be watching. So if you want to read this headline, honey. U.S. men's soccer team replaces red, white, and blue with LGBTQ pride colors. And then just like these three paragraphs. The United States men's national team unveiled the redesigned crest It'll dawn during the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Monday, the team revealed that it had dropped the patriotic red, white, and blue color pattern in favor of a rainbow gay pride color combination. The USMNT says its rainbow crest protests 
Qatar's criminal criminalization of homosexuality. Earlier this month, a Qatar World Cup ambassador told a German TV broadcaster that homosexuality is damage to the mind in the Muslim-majority nation. Not just in the Muslim-majority nation, in the entire world. Um, But, (laughs) you know, first off, shameful, right? But think how stupid this is. These supposed brave social justice warriors, right? They're going to go and make a stand for some important social issue like gay rights while going to play soccer and make all their money in a country that still employs slave labor. Um, And in fact, they're playing on fields and in stadiums that were built with slave labor. You know, but again, they're real social justice warriors. um, So they believe. I would say they're frauds. Yeah. Um, like so many athletes, um, entertainers, and just all those in the, you know, celebrity and political world, they're frauds, right? You know, because if you really wanted to make your stand against this, you know, supposed hateful, oppressive nation, you wouldn't go. Yeah. If you want to make your stand, you don't go. Um, that's yeah. a real stand against oppression. But you see, the problem with that is it would cost them. It cost them a whole lot of money. Um, and more importantly, it would cost their sponsors a whole lot of money. Um, these big corporations, they would be losing a lot of money if the men's national team didn't go and play in Qatar. Isn't everything we talk about really money? It's the love the, uh, of money. The love of money. And <laughs> like every news story, it comes down to the love of money. It, I think it's really that simple, right? So not it going is. isn't an option. Too much money at stake. So instead, these guys can go and make themselves boatloads of cash make their companies boatloads of cash, you know, again, off the backs of slave labor, um, these social justice warriors, but they can put this stupid flag up in their locker room and then they can just sort of numb their conscience to what's really going on, what they're really doing. That's Um, what people do. They do numb their conscience. Yeah, no, we're fighting against social issues while some guy's being whipped in the back of carrying bricks. (laughs) Like, hey, did you see what was going on back there? What? Nope. Uh, we got gay pride, you know, LGBT, and they're like, yeah, the dude's like getting whipped right behind you. Um, he's a slave. No, I didn't see that. Um, and I did read somewhere else, so I, there was some confusion. It doesn't seem like they're gonna wear this crest on their uniform. I think they're gonna wear the traditional crest on their uniform. This is instead, it's like a poster or like wall art that they put up in their locker. Um, you know, I'm not sure exactly, but either way, I'm not gonna be supporting them. Um, if their desire is to spread depravity around the world. And I even, you know, I tweeted at the U.S. men's national team and I was like, hey, man, as a Christian, I'm not going to support you. I'm not going to watch your matches if you're, you know, you think the right call is to go and spread sinfulness and depravity around the world. I can't support that. Um, It's just it's mind blowing, right, to think that you're going to go to Qatar and this is your main goal. You know, so many great shame. things going on in America. You're representing America. I know. And what it's do we want on the world? Well, it's not even a, I mean, it is embarrassing. It's embarrassing, but. But think yeah. about the message. We're America. Here's what we stand for. Yeah. yeah. We stand in antipathy towards God. Mm-hmm. Let the whole world see it, right? Yeah. How shameful. It's yeah. sinful. And I don't think you should support it. You know, I'm a big World Cup fan. 
really enjoyed. I think it's one of the great tournaments in the world, you know, but I think we live in a time of choosing. You have to, you got to pick, you know, I guess which side you're going to be on, you know, can't continue to live with blinders on in this world as you've seen where that's gotten us. Um, we're in the mess we're in today because we continued to live with blinders. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think we can do that anymore. And really the only message that we can make is with our tweets and emails, but also our oh, eyeballs, you know, yeah. because if they lose supposedly, right, 60, 65% of this country's Christian, if they had a 60 to 65% drop in ratings for the U.S. men's national team, um, they might have something to say about that. You know, everybody just talks about, you know, you can be a world changer, you know, just raising your kids to think they can make a difference. But this is how you make a difference. You take a stand. It's not that you're really to make a difference in the world now you have to stand against against everything because you're not there's nothing to do to like make things to make things better we have to go backwards is what i mean like we have to stand against the things that they're trying to change for the worse and it's even it's stupid we're not going to change qatar's mind because the difference is they're standing on faith principles. We're standing on aimless identity politics that are just made up on a whim. At least they're still standing on religion. Yeah. Yeah. So we're trying to so, go over there with our godless yeah. identity politics. And they're like, yeah, our stance hasn't changed since the 700s when right. this Quran was written. But us were like, oh, our Bible's 3,500 years old. Throw it out. You know, identity politics, is, you know, you're not going to change their mind. Because they actually believe in something. We just believe in trying to make a name for ourselves. And, you know, like people, we can't even like sacrifice entertainment. Like, this is how much of an idol the entertainment industry is for us. Oh, like, that we can't remove our eyes in supporting. Well, let's you hope know? we can. Um, I, I hope it's not hard to can. do. Like, you don't yeah, realize the impact. Soccer. That you can it's not like we're asking to give up the NFL, right? <laughs> I mean, this is soccer. We don't watch it anyways. So just continue to not watch it. No. But, but it's really, a small sacrifice for a huge difference, is what I mean. Like it's and I nothing. You've got to take it one step for I mean, again, it's a simple thing, but you know, if you have Twitter, Facebook, an email, I would just suggest send them something. Hey man, I'm not happy with your choice here. I wish you wouldn't do this, but because you did, I'm not gonna support you. Again, if they opened their email tomorrow and they were flooded with 45 million emails that said, hey, we love the U.S. men's national team, um, but we don't support what you're doing. We wish you'd reconsider. They might go, oh, boy, that's a uh, that's a whole lot of people. Right. But when it's just me and Nikki sending one tweet, they're going to go, ah, who cares what those zealots think? You know, but again, if there was 45, 50 million of us doing that, they'd go, oh, man, that's something we really need to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. again, don't watch it. We recommend, but say something to them. Let them know, Let them why, know why you're not. Yes, you know why you're not watching it. We've got to make our stances known, and hopefully, they call you a zealot, and you can go. Yes, I'm zealous for my Lord. That's all I care about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a great testimony! Yes, let me tell you about this Lord I'm zealous for. Now you have a gospel opportunity. So, yeah. um, <laughs> just say something. Uh, but that's our recommendation. Think about watching the Santa Claus and Disney Plus. Think about not watching the U.S. men's national team. So now 
to get into some of the uh well really our last news story here before our podcast review and it does come from the disgusting world of politics but i think it's worth mentioning um, for believers so let me see if you want to just read this headline honey Mormon Church voices support for same-sex marriage law. Yep, and then I think these two paragraphs here. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints said Tuesday it would back proposed federal legislation to safeguard same-sex marriages, marking the latest show of support for the measure from conservative-leaning groups. The nearly 17 million member Utah-based faith said in a statement that church doctrine would continue to consider same-sex relationships to be against God's commandments. Yet it said it would support rights for same-sex couples as long as they didn't infringe upon religious groups' right to believe as they choose. And then do you want to just read these two paragraphs? Patrick Mason, a professor of religious studies at Utah State University, said the church's position was both a departure from and continuation of its past stances, respecting laws yet working to safeguard religious liberty and ensuring they won't be forced to perform same-sex marriages or grant them official church sanction. This is part of the church's overall theology, essentially sustaining the law of the land recognizing that what they dictate and enforce for their members in terms of their behavior is different than what it means to be part of a pluralistic society, he said. Yes, yes, yes. The uh, godless politicians that are completely given over to the LGBTQ mafia swore they promised you that they wouldn't infringe on your religious rights. Might want to see if their fingers were crossed behind their back. Um, I just, I simply don't get this. Why a religious institution would make this announcement now. The bill hasn't been passed yet, right? And they're supposedly, you know, they claim to be Christian. They believe marriage is a man and a woman. And that's God's design. That's something they would believe. So I don't get this, right? Because I believe, um, for instance, that homosexuality, same-sex marriage, and for that matter, the transgender lifestyles, those are sinful, right? They're against God's perfect design, and therefore, they're a less optimal um, way to live personally, but also as a nation. It's less optimal. And a nation deciding to govern itself against God's intentions to the point of instituting something that God hates you would assume if you believe that is not an optimal state for a nation. And in fact, I would say it's dangerous, right? As we incur, you could assume God's wrath. <laughs> um, yep. We're storing up wrath ourselves, the day of judgment. That's what. Yeah. So you would say like, if that's something you believe, then my stance would be to be opposed to it. Um, I'm opposed to it in the church, but also in the nation. Mm-hmm. Because I believe that people that live in unrepentant homosexual lifestyles are going to hell. That's something I believe. And I don't want them to go to hell. (laughs) I want them to know that perverse lifestyles are sinful and that they need to repent, find forgiveness, and they need new life in Jesus Christ. That's something we as believers would want them to know. Mm -hmm. 
you know, so if those are beliefs that you hold, you know, it's one thing to accept this and be loving and kind to these people after the fact, after the bill gets passed and it's written into law. But you have an opportunity right now mm -hmm. to fight for those things you claim you believe. Yeah. So why would you not do that? And the Mormon church claims to believe it. But before it's even passed, they just go, well, we're going to lay down. Yeah. We're just going to give up on our beliefs. We know it's, eh, you guys don't want to hear it already. So yeah, we're just, we'll support it because it's easier. Like, do you actually believe the things that you say you're believing? Because it would seem as though you don't. Because again, if you hold to a belief that I hold to that living a life of unrepentant sin would lead you to hell. Well, I don't want any of them to go to hell. I want to be able to, you know, stop them from just sort of giving over completely to this lifestyle. And I would speak out about it like I'm doing right now. I have a microphone. I'm speaking out about it. The Mormon church has a national microphone, and yet they're silent. Just crickets, right? They're just going to accept it even before it's passed. And, you know, you might be saying, ah, who cares, right? I thought this was a Christian show. Those are Mormons. They're not Christian. So who really cares? What does it matter? Well, I guess to that, I would say we have a Senate full of, you know, supposed Christians um, who've already voted to bring this bill to a vote, and they're lining up to vote uh, in favor of passing this, what they would call um, the Respect for Marriage Act. And they're using really the same rationale for it that mm -hmm. the Mormon church is. Um, ah, you know, it's for the betterment of society. We want these people to know we're, we love them and we accept them and yada, yada. Well, you're supposed to be Christians, right? Now is your chance to fight for that. And let them know that it's wrong in God's eyes. What other opportunity do you have? It's not like just on a random Tuesday, you can stand up in the Capitol building and be like, homosexuality is a sin. It's like you can't even say that anymore now you've already just said like you can't even argue that it's a sin then because you've no. basically said you you agree with it yeah hey you guys really are sinning and going to hell well why'd you pass it in the law then well i mean you know there's uh you know well it was a paycheck let's just be honest yeah, right like they just don't want to be bothered the only thing they care about is that they're not forced to perform those same-sex marriages. Right, but that can't be our saying. only concern. We need to care about the truth. Well, and they keep saying, well, they've put protections in place for religions. Yeah, sure they did. But I'd rather you know? stand against it, bring on the persecution, but at least I've spoken the truth and stand it again. Well, right. We're saying, well, no, those godless, you know, atheists, um, completely depraved politicians, they've written us protections for our faith that they hate and they're actively working against on a daily basis. Oh, great. I'm sure they're really solid, really solid protections in place. You know, yeah, we have protections in place for our right to bear arms. How's that working out in New York? <laughs> Not yeah. very well, right? right. So, um, and I do have a list here of the 12 Republicans who voted in favor of bringing this bill to law or bringing this bill to a vote. Uh, I did have it up here. I think these are just the ones that were um, co-sponsors for it. There was 12 Republicans 
that voted for it. I'll have it in the show notes. I'll have a link to a list if you want to see if your um, your senator was one of the senators that sold God out in this nation. And I recommend that you call them, reach out to them, let them know that you're in um, disagreement with this vote. So, and also, well, I'll, yeah, I would, you know, kind of like the whole U.S. men's national team. If they don't ever hear anybody, you know, they're just going to proceed on because they don't really care, right? So we need to make it known to them at least that, you know, we're not in favor of them. And again, you can call your Democrat senator if you want, but we know that the Democrat Party is beholden to the spirit of the age. They're, you know, they're far gone. So, I mean, by all means, give them a ring if you want to. Uh, You might just, you know, I don't know if they'll even pick up or respond, but it's always worth a try. But at least the 12 Republicans um, who would claim most likely, I imagine, to have some sort of a faith background. Again, ask them to, you know, stand for what they claim to believe in. And one other thing that I wanted to make note of here, because it's the Respect for Marriage Act. um, But in this act, they talk about that this bill would guarantee that valid marriages between two individuals are given full faith and credit, regardless of the sex, race, ethnicity, Mm -hmm. or national origin. And so it's not just a respect for same-sex marriage. It's a respect for interracial marriage. And I truly, I think what they're doing is crafty. Yeah. I mean, you could probably call it devious is probably a better word for what they're doing. Um, Mm -hmm. Because the bill, like I said, it has language in there that it's supporting interracial marriage. And like... (laughs) Who in this nation cares anymore about interracial marriage? I mean, I'm sure there's probably somebody somewhere in a county that you've never been to that gets upset when, you know, a black and a white person get married. But by and large, nobody in this nation cares about interracial marriage. But now if you don't support this bill, even if you don't support it for religious reasons, because of the gay marriage part, well, now they can not only call you a bigot and a homophobe, but now they can slap the label of racist on you as well. You can go, well, I'm opposed to this because I'm a Christian and homosexual. They'll go, oh, it's because you don't like black people getting married to white people. <laughs> there, and you're like, oh my goodness. So, you know, and even if it's almost like a backdoor way for these people to support it, when they're like, well, I mean, I certainly wouldn't want to support the gay marriage part, but interracial marriage, who doesn't support that? I got to support interracial marriage. (laughs) Like, it's almost like, you know, again, I think it's just devious. Maybe Um, it's because they think it's, it has to be in there to be passed. Again, I thinking it won't. I don't know. Why else would they do it? Well, and they do this with, I mean, this obviously isn't the first bill where they've slid stuff like, you know, they're like, oh, we're going to pass, you know, the, the bill to get, you know, formula for babies. And then inside of it, it's like, we're giving $100 million to Planned Parenthood. And then you vote no on it. And they're like, oh, you don't want to feed babies. And you're like, this is such a con job. That's what they do, you know, though. That's, that's what they exactly do. what they do. But I did think with this, this whole interracial marriage piece, and the fact that it's the Mormon church coming out and talking about it, it made me remember 
you know, we just talked about a couple weeks ago, the story with BYU and their sort of racist hoax. And not to mention that the Mormon church has had issues with black people <laughs> for a long time, right? Because they used to not be, I think, I don't know if it was like they weren't allowed to be elders in the church or something. And then that changed somehow because it's not a real religion. So they just changed it. Um, but uh, <laughs> anywho, so they've had a bad record with um, African-Americans. Then they had this race hoax perpetrated by the race baiters at Duke, the volleyball team, mm -hmm. and they caved to that. So again, you have this sort of, oh, you're going to support some interracial marriage. And you're like, oh, brother, we don't have, <laughs> we can't weather this storm again. Just come out and say we support it because we can't deal with the backlash from this, you know, the LGBTQ mafia plus the DIE mafia that they're already being ransacked by. So maybe that's some of it too. They're just, you know, they in a weakened state, if you will. I mean, again, you could just write this off as the Mormons, but I would not be so quick to write that off because there's a whole lot of Christians in this country that don't oh, yeah. even have the same resolve and backbone the Mormons do. Yeah, and it's not just because of the religion. It's just people who don't really, they have no regard for what God says. No. And I just wanted one more article to kind of just, it's off a little bit a little or a little bit off topic here but just a last thought really on the perverse governance of our leaders in this nation and how we really need to pray that they come to repentance and i saw this story if you want to just read the headline honey 37 countries sign pledge to uphold pro-life pro-family uh, policies two years after geneva consensus declaration now that's something we can all get behind most certainly America is a part of that. Do you want to just read this paragraph, honey? Lawmakers, pro-life activists, and representatives of governments worldwide gathered on Capitol Hill Thursday to commemorate the second anniversary of the signing of the Geneva Con Consensus Declaration on promoting women's health and strengthening the family, which declares that there is no international right to abortion. The United States was one of the nearly three dozen countries that first signed the document on October 22nd, 2020, although it later withdrew support after President Joe Biden took office. There you go. Uh, there you go. Let's Man. export baby killing around the world. Are we the ones who changed their mind? The only one? Did anybody else with, withdraw their support so. or just us? No, I mean, we were there. I don't know what happened between October 20, uh, 2020 and now, um, but Joe Biden, he was, he was having none of it. And um, yeah, so there's something. I'm sure it has nothing to do with the fact that we just reached 8 billion people worldwide. Um, I'm sure that has no, no reason to, do, uh, to influence their thoughts there. But anyways, that's our Catholic president, Joe Biden, so we're told. Very Catholic man. Yeah. So Catholic, he wants to export baby killing around the world. I'm sure that's a Christian Catholic doctrine going back ages. Ages. Anywho, do you have any last thoughts on the news? Anything that we talked about before we roll into our podcast review? Well, we might as well get to the review because, I mean, it's kind of like just as bad as the news. <laughs> 
right? It is, but that's why we want to <laughs> highlight it because it's important. So as we did last week with episode one, this isn't so much of a review as it's more of a sort of a discussion starter, mm -hmm. you know? So we're just kind of using some of the points they bring up in the podcast for us to discuss. And I do think there's a couple of points worth bringing up in here. Certainly, it's a very good episode, just like the first one was. So I highly encourage you go give them a listen. We'll have links in the show notes. It's going to be our sermon recommendation today as well. Uh, it's just, it's packed full of information. So we just grabbed a few points that we thought were really worth, I guess, referencing here. So we're just going to play the intro to kind of get this thing set up, and then we'll come back with our first point. I think the first weapon that they use is that if you don't believe what we say, then you are bigoted and hateful. That's kind of the, the starting point. And it's a, sort of an unspoken truth, because if anybody does really come outside the box and say, whoa, wait a minute, this isn't right, they are immediately attacked in any way possible. Yeah, so, I mean, we've all heard that a thousand times, right? You disagree, you're a bigot, you're hateful. Yeah, it's, I just realized when I was listening, like, it's a weapon, he says, their first weapon. So their first weapon is just name calling. <laughs> right. I mean, we see this all the time, right? I mean, if you disagree with anything, you're a racist, uh, you disagree with the LGBTQ, you're a homophobe, um, all these sorts of things. So it is certainly a weapon. But that was just to kind of set the stage. The first point that I really had that they brought up in here, and they brought it up early on, was that Europe is largely moving away. So this is kind of on the, the gender affirmation care model is what they're kind of talking about. And, mm -hmm. you know, they talk about how Europe is moving away from this gender affirmation care model of treatment. So what do they do when a child, you know, is thinking that they're the opposite gender? Do they? Well, what they really, you know, and they don't go into it, the specifics too much as far as how they treat them necessarily. Um, but they do make note in here a couple of times that, um, you know, if kids are left alone, you know, maybe they get some mental health treatment or whatever to help them cope with what they're feeling, this gender dysphoria. Right. But if they're allowed to just grow mm -hmm. in their natural course of life, I think they say in here that 85% will grow out of this transgendered phase and just come to accept themselves they may become gay or something but they don't go through mm -hmm. so if you don't affirm but you necessarily or you don't necessarily affirm but you just sort of help them deal with the struggles they're going through and that's i think the more traditional model is just right. help them deal with what they're feeling and the thoughts that they're going through and help them make sense of it without just going yes nine-year-old girl you are a boy let's bind your breasts and let's give you puberty blockers, you know, and that sort of stuff. So, um, but they point out in here that Europe is moving away from that. And it's in fact, really America and Canada, that's really leading the way in the world for this sort of what I would call child butchery for profit industry. Um, and they pointed out that in here, even one of England's largest gender clinics, I can't, I think they give the name of it, but I can't remember what it was. Uh, one of their largest gender clinics in all of England is being closed because it started to get hit with pretty serious lawsuits for a lot of the damage that they've done to these patients through this gender affirmation treatment. 
Yeah, America knows that. They don't care. Yeah, I mean, all the evidence is there for the people that actually know how to find it. Um, but they don't care if they're just plowing straight ahead, right? And, you know, we saw basically, I think, the same thing with COVID. I don't think this is any different. The European nations were far less insane with what they did with the COVID protocols than we were. And, you know, especially when you look in places like Norway, I think it was, they basically didn't do anything for COVID protocols. They didn't lock anybody down. They had like no mask mandates. Yeah, I remember that. And they had almost like, they, they had very low cases of very low COVID case. death. Yeah, it didn't and, go nuts yeah. like it did here. Um, yeah, I remember that. So even in the face of all the evidence that we had with COVID, right, we just plowed ahead. You know, evidence be darned. We've got a plan and we're going to enact the plan even when evidence tells us we shouldn't continue down this path. Um, you know, we stomped on people's rights here, ran them out of jobs. We destroyed industries. Know it. So very they just bizarre. Don't care. They're just really destroying everybody. It doesn't matter. Like nobody matters. Well, and them. that's why you need, you know, when you hear people talk about this sort of leftist liberal ideology, you know, they always call it an ideology, but you know, more, more and more you hear people talk about it, that it's actually a religion. Um, and it makes sense that it's a religion because, you know, it's, again, they can't be persuaded. If it was just an ideology, you know, you'd say, hey, here's some evidence that, you know, what you're doing in this gender affirmation care isn't the most effective, but instead doing this is better. They'd go, oh, well, I mean, we do want to care for kids and it looks like that's a better way to care for them. But instead they just go, cool, don't care. We're yeah. pressing on this way. We're exactly. going to- yeah, hey, putting that face mask on for the fourth time and, you know, locking every business down for another two months doesn't seem to be helping with COVID. You know, we're locking them down. And it is kind of scary thinking on. like anything crazy, it's, it's going to go down like it's going to start with us. And, and and I can't even even think about COVID as you're talking about it because in my mind, I'm like, eh, there's no way they're going to bring masks back and go crazy with all that again because everybody no, so many people are you know awake to what that it's ineffective but the but they shots are ineffective I mean, I'm telling you, I, was, I was in la not long ago la is still riddled with people walking around with two masks on masks in their There's cars still people here in florida every day i see people in the grocery store and i don't know maybe because it's colder and they're afraid of getting sick with the weather but i mean i said it before i mean when it was all going on i was like if you're still wearing a mask now, there's literally no point in your life when you should ever take it off. Because if you think it has value now, then it will always carry the same amount of value for you, you know, which is placebo effect, I guess. I don't know. So but I guess we can't think that that craziness is over. Like if it's going to come back, it's going to come back first here. Yeah. So I, you know, when I was hearing them talk about it, it just made me think of the, the way we handled COVID. Um, seemed very similar with the way we just kind of plowed ahead, even as, you know, yeah. evidence started coming out to the contrary. And that was when we lived in New Mexico. And I don't want to go back to New Mexico no, because, <laughs> because of it gets the great, crazy, you know, freedom loving, don't there. tread on me patriots in New Mexico decided to revote in the same governor who yeah. snatched all their rights away during COVID. In Michigan too. So well right? done. Well done. But it's insane. You know, it just makes you think that the only thing that America 
and I mean, Canada, they're so far gone. We'll just say America yeah. really seems to care about anymore is like these satanic policies. And I would say just funneling buckets of cash to big pharma, really, regardless of the damage that they're causing. Um, but, you know, you can always look at the bright side and say, at least we're leading something. <laughs> and uh, I just found that point interesting. Because um, I don't think any nation today should be looking to us as a model mm -hmm. for anything. Our nation is broken in a thousand pieces. Only God can fix what ails us. But that's the one place we aren't looking for a fix. It's the only place we can be fixed. And it's the one place we're not looking for a fix. So if you're hearing yeah. us from a foreign country, do not look at what we're doing here and think that it's in any way something you should be modeling where you're at. I was just looking at um was our youngest our fourth grader her history book with the curriculum we got um and it's it's um it's centered around christ um so in history one of the questions was it melanie's or maybe it was jacob's i think it was actually jacob's so our ninth grader and it said you know it's talking about the constitution and Christ, you know, like A, B, or C. And C was like Christ and the Constitution was the answer where America needs to follow. Like, yes, we follow the Constitution, but we need to get back to Christ and the Constitution for our country to stay on track. And I just, I was just so glad. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad you picked this, this curriculum yeah. for the kids. Um, yeah, no other public school in America is teaching that Christ yeah. and the Constitution is the way we get back on the yeah. back on track. I'm just, I was, yeah, I was just, I just, I just like, anyway, it's through Alpha Omega and it's, they do the life pack. Um, yeah, different options you do online. Life pack is a book option. If anybody is wondering about homeschooling, there go you go. Life pack. Um, but yeah broken in a thousand pieces and uh it is amazing to see the rest of the world you know even like we just talked about with the u.s men's national team we're out there painting pride flags and the rest of the world is like no we actually believe in something here um that didn't just you know start believing in in 2013 like you guys did so uh the next point that i want to discuss here i'm just going to play this it's about a minute long this section of this clip and then we'll just discuss it. And at that time we went, we shifted from what used to be medical ethics to bioethics, which is sort of ethics by committee. So it, we moved from now we have, you know, policymakers telling medical doctors how to practice. We have lawyers, you know, impacting medical practice oftentimes through just litigation and lawsuits. We have pharmaceutical companies, you know, weighing in and lobbying with their big pharma money with what they think medicine should do and how physicians ought to operate. So I think in that kind of milieu and landscape, those sort of titanic shifts landed us to where we are today, where we have, I hear from medical students all the time that they have very little ethics training. They're just being skilled in, in being technicians. Yeah, so first, we should use that word milieu more often. That's a good word. Um, but yeah, so she talks in there about what used to be medical ethics. Um, 
you know, doctors used to take a Hippocratic oath. Mm-hmm. You know, they would do no harm to their patients and stuff and how that's become bioethics, um, which she says in there is different. It's ethics by committee. Um, and then she kind of talks about how we have policymakers, lawyers, and pharmaceutical companies dictating medicine and medical practice. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> we should know that that is not good. I do not think um, when doctors are no longer taking an oath to do no harm. And yeah. it, instead, we have lawyers and pharmaceutical companies going, no, I mean, you should, you should give this girl puberty blockers that will, you know, give her less bone density that leads to osteoporosis and a lifetime of uh, pharmaceutical they're needs. Like putting, that's oh, why they have sense. to make the argument. It's their mental health. They'll die if you don't do it. And they, doctors know that's not true. No, and we'll talk about in here, uh, or they talk about it often. I don't know if I wrote the point down here. You know, they talk quite frequently in this episode that all the science proves that this gender affirmation care model doesn't work. It doesn't, there's, the science doesn't support that this reduces mental health stress or lower suicide. It doesn't work. And I think they even make the statement in here, I may have written it down for later, that the best science or the best studies on this topic have the worst results for gender affirmation. Yet, doesn't matter. We just get pseudoscience. And, you know, we have lawyers that are, you know, suing everybody if you don't call a kid by his preferred pronoun and pharmaceutical companies that, of course, want you on drugs, because that's what they make. And that's how they make their money. Mm -hmm. Um, So we should not want these three groups uh, involved in deciding what's, what's ethical. Um, because all of their ethics seem to revolve around money and power. <laughs> so that's it is really so bad. Vicious, just thinking on like how they go after the family, pit the family against one another. Like they'll tear apart families in order to make their money. Right. And this is something they bring up in here about the lawsuits. Because I didn't write this point down, but he kind of makes a point in this episode that this gender affirmation thing is going to end. And the reason it's going to end is because once the lawsuits come and the insurance companies and the hospitals start losing millions of dollars, it's no longer going to be profitable, which is a shame. That's what's going to end it. But he makes that point there. And we are seeing some of that. Um, Like we talked about in England, they're starting to sue these people. And they the lawsuits are sort of hinging around the fact that they took advantage of these people during these states of mental instability. Ah, So these kids are already going through mental instability. The parents are because they have these kids that are suffering. And like Nikki said, they're going, oh, well, would you rather be planning a funeral or a transition party? Would you rather have a live daughter or a dead son? You know, and those sorts of Mm -hmm. things. And the parents are, you know, getting basically twisted by these I mean, godless, greedy corporations and doctors. If anything like that is happening, like if your kid has been talking to the counselor or whoever, the nurse at school, and, you know, they, they tell the kid, don't let the parent know, you know, this is confidential. But if you find out, I would take my kid out of school because... Well, we've been... But <laughs> we've in been order for your kid for that forever. to not be having that affirmation like 
their mental health and their spiritual health are more important than their education. So I wouldn't even worry about whether or not you think you can homeschool or not. Your number one job is to protect the life of your child. Well, and that's the funny thing too, with the whole education piece. Uh, I don't know if you're aware, but education in America kind of stinks. Yeah. (laughs) Public education is not getting better in America. So your kids have a better chance of getting a good education if you bring them home and teach them what you think is good education. So God this whole gives notion you the that, grace in the moment. You can't think yeah. about it like ahead of time and start worrying. It's no, you have so to trust that God is going to get your kids out care for you and your kids. But I do think this is a big deal. You know, this, what they're talking about here, because we see this everywhere. Um, not just in this gender affirmation stuff, but government and big business sort of working together to shape society rather than simply, you know, ensuring that our rights and freedoms are defended. You know, instead, it seems like they're actively trying to sort of really, like I said, shape our society and bring about these social changes, you know, in whatever their faithless vision is, you know, rather than what should be happening, I think, letting the citizens steer where this country goes, the direction of the nation. All this is, is Satan. Like it's just lies and confusion, um, death, like all things evil. Yeah. That's why when we call them satanic, that may sound harsh, but it seems very explicitly clear. I mean, cause Satan is chaotic. He's death. He's lies. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, God is a God of order. He's Mm -hmm. love. peace. So when you see see things that are the opposite of that, it's not God doing it. It's Satan. So it's it's really like Satan is the the king of this world. And the prince of the the power of the the air. Yes. So this is what it looks like when he's allowed to rule and Christians do nothing. Like we're all right, go ahead. All right, let's see. It's a scary this is scary uncomfortable if we stood up to this bill before it was passed so we'll just let it pass and then we'll shake our fist after the fact that our nation's given over to depravity so um but yeah i mean these politicians these globalist corporations you know and they all have this sort of citizen of the world mindset kind of this one world governance mindset Mm -hmm. and they're all sort of working together to steer society in that direction they want everybody unified, but leave out religion. Let's unify over this, you know, wickedness. But it's your right. Right. It's your yeah, right. Religion is divisive. Religion is exclusive. You know, that's why they beat the drum on in- inclusivity so much. Uh, I don't like inclusivity. I like things that are exclusive. <laughs> Christianity is exclusive. There I miss is the one days way. When not that it was that long ago, when people were only like, the only thing to really get riled up about was every kid on the soccer team getting a trophy. Yeah. Like that used to be. (laughs) Look where it's gotten us, like little things. And now it's quality. Just don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Yeah, it's now just, it's, you know, if you want a six foot three former division one male swimmer to jump in the pool with women and destroy all their records. It's all the same. Everybody gets a trophy. You know, it's insanity. But 
Um, again, they do mention in here, like I said, that, you know, the science doesn't back up this style of um, medical treatment. But the problem is, where do you hear that? Right? Like, where do you see those articles blasted? Where do you hear that often on the news? All you hear is really this notion that affirmation is the only viable option. Um, but again, in this episode, you know, well, as I kind of mentioned earlier, one of the doctors kind of talks about that's in fact incorrect because the best studies show the worst results on this sort of care. Um, he kind of just makes it over and over again that this doesn't work. But again, we just sort of proceed on with this anyways. And the big problem is that we have big tech and they work again so closely with the government and they get to steer the narrative, right? We hear the voices they want us to hear. You read the articles they want you to read. And it's really hard to find this sort of information if you don't know where to look. And not to mention that if you aren't necessarily smart on how to read and understand scientific studies, you know, even if you come across one, it's really hard to digest what you're looking at and make sense of the numbers. And because it's not like you just open up, oh, it's the, uh, you know, American Medical Journal, and it says, gender affirmation care is 50% less effective. It doesn't write that way. It's right. convoluted, and it's hard. Um, so instead, it's hard to look for, it's hard to understand. So we just don't try, right? We just swallow the false narratives because it's really easier than doing the work ourselves, I think is where we fall into a lot of times. Because it's hard to do all the, you know, we shouldn't have to do all the research ourselves. And Yeah, people but, think the only truth is, is what the news and media feed us. Like they don't even consider the opposing ideas could be possible. Like they just dismiss all truth, just like, like they don't even want to retain the knowledge of God. They suppress the truth and unrighteousness. You know, people suppress the knowledge of God. Why would they not reject all other truth? No, I mean, you walk by a fish and they're like, you came from that fish. And they're like, I came from a fish. All righty then, press on. Makes enough sense to me. I don't know. But, you know, I did think this is why worldview matters so much. Because, you know, I have a biblical worldview. Um, so I don't need to look at studies and listen to, you know, so-called pundits and experts to know that an affirmation model or affirming someone in their sin is not the best solution. My worldview tells me that. Um, calling them to repentance and faith in Christ is. That's the best solution. Um, but without that worldview, right, it's just, Whatever the doctors tell me, um, that's what I'll believe. But I feel like if you've learned anything, especially over the last two years with COVID, um, you know, just listening to doctors is not always the best option. Oh, gosh, I know. I hate when people were like, just listen to the doctors. Just trust them. That's people saying, I don't need to think for myself. These people with titles can think for me. And Well, because that's the funny thing. Like, you go... Oh, I am listening to doctors. This doctor just told me something different. They're like, he's a quack. Listen to this doctor. They're like, they both have a whole bunch of letters after their name. They're both, why is that one smarter than? But again, yeah. if you have the right worldview, I mean, you don't even need to engage in this. I'm a Christian. 
I believe we were made in God's image, male and female. That's why I'm wearing my Genesis 127 t-shirt today. Male and female, he created them. It wasn't by accident. You're not in the wrong skin. I know that. I don't even need a study to tell me that. You know, so worldview matters. And uh, that's why it's sad that we only have 6% in this country with a biblical worldview. It's a shame. But you wonder why we get to where we're at? 6% have a biblical worldview. Um, the other 94% are just wherever the wind blows. It's where they're going. So uh, the last point that I want to bring up here, and I'm going to try to pull a couple different points together, I think that they had mentioned in here. But one of the ladies that was interviewed, she mentioned that, you know, she started off very liberal, but as she sort of slowly came to the understanding of the dangers um, and really the lies that were surrounding the affirmation model of care, she kind of said that she tried to publish two articles. And she makes note that she was a freelance writer. So this is something that she was familiar with, you know, writing articles and getting them published in papers and journals and such. Um, but she wrote these two articles against this affirmation care model. And she said none of the papers would sort of submit this article or allow her to run it. None of the papers. She said it took quite some time and eventually she got two newspapers to post it, but they wouldn't pay her for it. So they let her post it for free, basically. And I think why this point stuck out to me is because I'm not sure if most people understand just how difficult it is to get your voice heard without a large platform. You know, because we live in this technological society, technological age, you know, we've got YouTube, we've got social media. So I, I don't know if people that have never tried it, just sort of assume that it's easy to be heard. Um, so that's why we're here at Religious Christianity to tell you, it is not easy to just be heard. You know, because if you're not part of a large platform or like a network of some sort that can sort of put you in front of other people's eyeballs, it's very difficult and it's very expensive to get yourself seen and heard. Um, you know, mm -hmm. you don't just grab a, a webcam, you know, a $30 webcam from Walmart and make a video, throw it on YouTube, and now you got 100,000 viewers. It just, it doesn't work that way. Um, you don't just, you know, write a blog and throw it up on your Wix website. And like, now you're being interviewed on Fox News. Um, it just, it's not the way it works. It takes a lot of money, most importantly, to sort of get your product in front of people. Um, and that's, you know, at least until you have sort of name recognition, it takes a lot of money to get people to actually see what you're presenting to them. Um, and that's not even to, to say if you're actually trying to speak against um, the beliefs that these companies have and the algorithms that they have in place to govern what gets on their platform. Mm -hmm. um, because again, it's not like you're just going to feed information into this machine in these people's businesses um, that they're adamantly against, and they're going to somehow just give you a free platform to their entire audience. Oh, you're writing against everything we've built our worldview on? Well, let me just put you in front of a million people so you can convince them why we're idiots too. Like, it's working against yeah. you. Um, and this goes to another point that they mention in this uh, article or in this episode. And they kind of talk about 
you know, magazines, I think is the one they make mention of there that, you know, you might read a magazine and Vogue or something, and you think you're just reading someone's opinion, the writer of whatever article you're reading. Um, but most news and most, you know, magazines and stuff is wrapped up in conglomerates. You know, it's one overarching company that owns a lot of sub companies or smaller companies underneath them. And that's the same with the news, the magazines, newspapers and stuff like that. You know, so it winds up being that these certain ideas are being pushed out across dozens of platforms. Um, and we see this a lot in our life in the mainstream media. This is why, you know, if you go to CNN and MSNBC and NBC and CBS, and they all have like, not even just like similar talking points, but they're like word for word, the same talking points. Yeah, we've seen those clips where someone puts yeah. it together and all of them all the same exact the thing. same phrase, the same words. Yeah, you see it on Twitter, you know, like the exact same statements at the exact same time just being yeah. blast. And it's because they're given the same talking points. Um, so, you know, just because you have contrary evidence, and you say, well, I can prove that affirmation care is not the best model. Um, it doesn't really mean anything, right? Um, but that also should convince or I guess, tell us that just because we don't see the contrary evidence being presented doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Exactly. They just don't want to show it to you and they have means to hide it. So yeah. again, it isn't easy to find it. But that's considered conspiracy theory. Right. If, if you, I mean, it's just so obvious when you hear, when you are aware of the same phrases and words being used on every platform, every news outlet, how can you deny? You can't call it a conspiracy theory. Like, yeah, it's a conspiracy, but it's, it's happening. Right. And even that label conspiracy theory or conspiracy theorist is, you know, anything gets labeled conspiracy theory if it goes against the approved narrative, even if it's true. You know, they're still yeah. harassing people, calling them anti-vaxxers, you know, that there's somehow the problem with COVID, even though, again, that's all been proven to not be a conspiracy theory, right? But the idea is you just slap this label on people to shut them up. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the same reason why they call everybody a racist, you know, because they've probably figured out in our society, we're so sensitive. Uh, we care yeah. so much about what people think about us, um, that this idea of really being mocked or thought to be inferior, unintelligent, mm -hmm. um, is like the end of the world to us. So well, they do that just with Christians. In general, they're like, Oh, it's a it's a crutch, your religion is a crutch. So they automatically label you as weak. Yeah. I know I've said that before, but like, yeah. I yeah, am. I mean, it's just a label to make <laughs> you be quiet or to feel like Again, you're inferior, you're dumb, whatever. Um, again, it's just largely so that you won't say anything. So you'll stop talking. So you'll stop being a nuisance. Um, and I mean, we shouldn't allow that stuff, you know, to hinder us in any way, because maybe we just need to be reminded, you know, that really everyone that's being accepted <laughs> by the God-hating world, we should just assume that you know, yeah. if we're being accepted by the God-hating world, we mm -hmm. aren't walking right. Right. If they completely love what we're doing, we're probably not walking appropriately. Um, the truth is offensive. And if you're speaking the truth, 
and it's not offending, you're not speaking the truth, probably. Maybe a little bit of it, but yeah, softening I mean, it. We're supposed like, to be hated. God, you know, God told us we would be hated in this world. So if we are being hated and, you know, maybe you can just assume, maybe I'm on to something, <laughs> you know, all those people that hate God don't like what I'm saying. Maybe now that means I'm saying something worth saying. Um, yeah. So, and I've told you guys this before, and I'll make the point again, because I think it's still valid, you know, and this is at least the way I sort of carry myself. Whenever I hear anything from the godless media, godless politicians, really the secular left, you know, all those sorts of people, um, I immediately assume that it's untrue, that it's mm -hmm. just a lie until I can do my own homework on it. I take nothing they say anymore at face value. Um, I just, they've proven themselves to be untrustworthy mm -hmm. and they've done it over and over again. So I think really we're the fools yeah. when we actually just hear what they say and go, oh, wow, that must be true. Um, you know, if you just hold to that mindset that, you know, the godless of this world, when they're talking to you, I wouldn't trust it until I can verify it myself. You'll be proven right more than you're proven wrong. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, so, I just wouldn't ever. You'd be less fearful as well. Like, don't sit around and wait for the truth to come out of them. Like, don't think, oh, this time it's true. No, it's never going to be true. <laughs> like, no, I mean, a broke clock's right <laughs> twice a day. And they'll stumble into the truth every once in a while. But, you know, we used to have this mindset. We used to know of a politician's talk and they're lying. But somehow not our politician. Not the guy I like. Completely truthful. No matter how many times he's been proven to be a liar, completely truthful. So yeah, we're supposed to test all things. I mean, even with, you know, teachers of the faith, even we might we hold up on a pedestal too. And yeah, and it, if we're not testing their words, I think that means we idolize them and we're putting them maybe above scripture because we're trusting them and we're we are commanded to test. So, yeah, we should be doing it. Be skeptical. Nothing wrong with that. So do you have any last thoughts on the news we've talked about today, the podcast review that we just discussed? Anything before we move on to our Bible topic? Oh, let's get on to the good stuff. All right. So for <laughs> our Bible topic of the week, as we mentioned, we're on assurances of salvation. We have 10 total that we're going to discuss. We are on point four, so you can go back and find the other three. I will save you the work, though, if you're going to look and find I walked the aisle and said a prayer 10 years ago. That is not one of them. You're not <laughs> going to find that one here. Unfortunately, the Apostle John did not give us that as an assurance. So we're going to stick with the Apostle John. So do you want to read point number four here? And this comes from 1 John Chapter 2, verse 6. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Mm. So, if you say you abide in Christ, you ought to walk in the same way in which Christ walked. So, in the know, truth. In truth. And, <laughs> you know, I just kind of put down my thoughts, you know, Jesus walked in close fellowship with God. And imperfect love towards men, I think is the way, you know, that makes, I mean, you can say he walked in truth, but I think that's kind of how we saw his life yeah. exemplified. And 
He says he only does what the father does. Yeah. So that's walking in the same way in which he walked. And the Apostle Paul, you know, he gives us an example of how our life should look as well. He says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ in 1 Corinthians 11.1. So we walk in close fellowship with God really in two ways, I think. Um, There could be others, but this is just what I had. Um, The first is through reading his word. You know, if we want to walk in close fellowship, you know, that's how we connect with God. That's how we hear God speak. We read his word. Psalms 119 verse 11 reads, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So how do we store up his word in our hearts? Well, it's through reading it, I think pretty simply. Um, Through reading it, through studying it. You know, we don't learn scripture by putting it under our pillow while we sleep at night. We have to open it. We Mm -hmm. have to read it, study it. And um, Psalms chapter one, verse one through three says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Yes, we have to remember our minds need to be conformed to his word. We have to learn his ways. Like we don't automatically start walking like Jesus on our own. If we did, then why the instruction to meditate on his word day and night so that we don't sin? The word of God is how we battle the devil and the flesh. And Jesus used the word of God when Satan was tempting him and Satan left. So we are in a spiritual battle for our souls. We can't abide in him if we don't know his word. Right. And I mean, that's how we get to know God. We get to know him through his word. So Jesus was God. Um, We aren't God. So we get to know God so that Mm -hmm. we can have fellowship through learning about him in his word. Mm -hmm. We've got to study it. We've got to, um, I mean, Jesus studied the word. (laughs) He wrote the word. He studied it too, (laughs) um, which is incredible. So, you know, the presumption here is that by delighting in God's word, you know, we'll learn mm-hmm. to really avoid the ways of the wicked. Um, and then I think the second way that you walk in close fellowship, like Jesus, is through prayer. You know, the Bible and the New Testament talks often, you know, in the Gospels about Jesus's, uh, Jesus praying. You know, you read it often. And uh, the apostles, again, they exhort us to mm-hmm. be repeatedly in prayer. Um, yeah. Colossians 4.2 says to devote yourselves to prayer. Romans 12.12 says to be faithful in prayer. And 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12 says the Lord's ear are attentive to our prayers. So we read the word, study the word so we can know God. We're steadfast in our prayers so we can commune with God. That's our fellowship with God. If we want to be like Jesus, we have close fellowship with God, um, studying the word and praying. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. that second piece there, um, the perfect love toward men, um, obviously not something that we can ever achieve in this lifetime. That, however, should not stop us from trying, <laughs> I don't think. Shouldn't just give up on it. And, 
you know, really the beauty of what we just talked about as far as studying the Word of God and being faithful in, in prayer is that love for the brethren will be a natural byproduct of that. The mm-hmm. more you're in the Word of God, the more prayerful you are, the more that love for God's people is going to just be welling up in you. I was just thinking on like, we are told to forgive one another. So it's not going to be that we're going to be easy to love. We're still going to sin against one another. And we're going to have to demonstrate forgiveness toward one another. Right. It's a lot easier to forgive someone you love than someone you hate or have no we know relationship the, with or it, affection toward. Yeah. But you know, if someone is a true believer, you're, you're not going to be like afraid to resolve the issue because you know the both of you have been forgiven by God and um, it'll be easier to to forgive, to mend a relationship yeah. when you're both in, in Christ. Um, no, yeah. That's true. And, you know, you can't help but see if you read scripture, you know, often enough, the call to love, you know, to love people, it just, it jumps off the page. You see it everywhere. You can't avoid it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could go through tons of verses to point to this. I just pulled a few here. You know, Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And, you know, we see Christ's love for us in Revelations chapter 1, verse 5, which says, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings on earth, to whom he, or to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins mm-hmm. um, or by his blood. And then finally, I got Matthew 25, 31 through 40. Uh, And I'm not going to read the whole thing here, but just uh, the last verse. It says, and the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, Mm. as you did it to one of the least of these, my brother, brothers, you did it to me. Um, So we love because we were first loved by him. Mm -hmm. And scripture teaches us to love. And that's, again, how we again, are assured of our salvation, assured that we have the Holy Spirit living in us as we begin to start looking and walking the way that Christ walked. Mm -hmm. So again, uh, close fellowship with God, studying of the word, prayerfulness, and then love for the brethren. Um, And again, Mm -hmm. the study of the word, being in prayer is going to um, build that love in us that probably otherwise wouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. And again, that's going to spring out of the fact that we were first loved yeah, by him that. while yeah. we were sinners, we were still loved. Um, so that should hopefully lead us to a place of loving other sinners. Um, yeah. As well. So do you have any last thoughts on anything we really talked about today? The Bible verse uh, or yeah, the Bible verse, the news, the podcast, anything? I was just going to talk about prayer um, because sometimes, especially if you want to have like prayer time in the morning or, you know, we're supposed to pray all the time, but our minds kind of get wrapped up with what's going on today. Like I wake up in the morning and, and I'm thinking about what I have to get done. You know, the list is on my mind. And so it is hard for me to focus like, it's like, I want to bring my list before God, instead of focusing on who he is and praising him. 
I need to focus my mind. So I, this is what I do. And oftentimes at night, that's why I'm like, let's read a proverb or something to get my mind focused before prayer. Like I need to be focused on the commands of God or something about God um, to get my mind focused on him and come to him first in praise. So this is just helpful for me. I don't know if anybody else deals with that. So I wake up, I have to read, I have to read the word first before I dive into any prayer because it, it really gets my mind just focused on who God is, you know, depending on, on what I'm reading, I guess. I need to be reminded every day, like how, how great God is, what he's done for us, um, just his attributes that are throughout scripture. And then when I come to him in prayer, I'm reminded of like who I am coming to right now. Um, do, do you understand what I'm saying? I didn't even tell you no, I wasn't I talk and, about that, but like you, you know, have to read the word first and then it's like, well, I think reading the word and praying the word is the best thing you can do. I've probably talked about it on here before. I mean, but as far as what I do, you know, I, I always pray through one of the, you know, sections of Psalm 119. So mm -hmm. I mean, if you wanted, if you struggle to pray, or maybe your prayers aren't God centered enough, mm -hmm. you know, to get yourselves focused, because we do want to, I think, be cautious about just sort of spewing all of our wants and needs yeah. before God, before we actually go to God and just praise him for being God. And so if you just open yeah. to any, you know, Psalm 119, I think they're all broken into eight verses. And I'll just read those and pray them, you know, as I read them. And then that leads me into my normal prayer. Mm -hmm. So you're getting the word, you're praying. I mean, the book of Psalms is our book of prayer. Yeah, It's a book of worship to God. So you could open up anything really in Psalm, but Psalm 119, they're short, they're simple, they're focused on loving the law, mm. loving God, yeah. um, those sorts of things, and just gets your mind right. And then you just lead that into your normal prayer yeah. um, or whatever it needs to be. So, you know, I think that's a great way to do it. You know, you don't want to just, you know, I think, you know, we've probably talked about this before, but, you know, praying to God should not just be, you know, spewing out a list of needs and wants before God. I know. We don't see I don't that example do. in scripture. We don't see the book of Psalms. We don't see that. It's a lot of worshiping God mm -hmm. in prayer, praising God for who he is, for what he's done. And then there's some, hey, I need this. These people, you know, are persecuting <laughs> me, whatever. But it's a whole lot of, you know, Psalm 23, he leads me beside still waters, you know, he makes yeah. a table before me in the presence of my Isn't enemies. Isn't our biggest and, need though, like our biggest prayer request should be, God, help me to love you and praise you more. Like out of all the list I have, it's like, Lord, help me to know you better. Help me to, it, like our minds just, we get so distracted and God yeah. isn't just someone who can answer our prayers. Like, no, I want to even... see him. I want to be in awe of his holiness. And um, I just want that, like, my spirit to feel refreshed every time. And when we go, I was talking with Scott about that, like that dry season you feel like you go through sometimes, like you want to feel refreshed. And Yeah, but I mean, there's even, you know, good books you know, I'm not opposed to devotionals and stuff. There's the books of common prayer and these sorts of things where, 
you know, can just help you get in a more biblically sound prayer life mm-hmm. rather than just a, maybe it's just a more American prayer life of like, Lord, I need my bills paid. I need, you know, all these sorts of things instead of just, you know, way the Bible instructs us to pray. I mean, even the Lord's prayer, right? You know, yeah. worship God. That's the first thing there. You know, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, that's the way the prayer should open. Mm-hmm. Um, all those sorts of things. So yeah, there's a lot of good methods, but reading the Bible, praying the Bible um, is always a good way to go. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll you know, get my mind focused <laughs> first. And I do pray first before I read the Bible. I say, God, I want to help me understand this so <laughs> so that I can remember who you are, how awesome you are. Remind me so I can praise you in, in prayer. I know. It's like I do say a little prayer before I read so that after I'm done reading, I'm like, yeah, I have a lot to praise God for. And I, my mind isn't focused on all my needs, but I'm just like, I just want to thank God for who he is. We should be doing that more. Just thanking him for who he is. Um, and I did mention already that our sermon recommendation is the podcast we talked about, Gender Indoctrination. We're on episode two, Doctors Unveiled Trans Scandal. So we'll have that in the show notes. You can go give it a listen. Highly recommend it. Um, otherwise, we'll be back next week. We're probably just going to have sort of a short Thanksgiving episode. Um, not really exactly sure what we're going to talk about. Probably going to stick up or steer clear of the news. Um, but we'll be back for the Thanksgiving episode. And then we'll probably be off s- Saturday, maybe. Who knows? Just <laughs> check. And if there's an episode up, that's Don't when worry. we decided to post it. <laughs> Um, we'll have our daily devotionals as well Um, so just look out for those and um, otherwise hope you guys have a great week hope you have a great Thanksgiving Um, there's a lot to be thankful for even in a wicked world God is still great he still reigns Um, otherwise we will be back at the the next episode whenever that happens to be (laughs) God bless